A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm joined by my gorgeous, fabulous, brilliant co-host, Kristen Williams, who is sporting a new hairdo. So make sure you come on YouTube to look <laughs> at it. It's it's gorgeous. Thank you so much. It's Every time we get our hair done and we're up. On these uh, things are like, go check out the YouTube because it's uh, not going to look like this ever again. Right. <laughs> I promise it's blown you that. out by somebody else. I know. I know. And it's amazing. They can do that crap in like 10 minutes. I and know. this would take me an hour. I know. We know how to take care of our bodies. Uh, blow dry not our hair. hair. Not as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and get started here. We got um, a question from one of our lit faithful lit teachers, Jen Bailey, and she said, I have a question that can be addressed for the Wednesday Q&A podcast. My client was a waitress for years. Her left side was always tight and stuck from it in the neck and shoulder. She used to get headaches, but is no longer waitressing. I could guess and come up with some things for her to do, but rather go straight to you since neck issues scare me. Any advice on this is greatly appreciated. So, you know, I will just go start by saying this is so common in waitresses speaking of hairstylists i see i saw this a lot with artists that i worked with in kentucky you know this repetitive upper extremity jobs we see it on job lines i used to work with a lot of people who worked for ford and honda and they get this overuse injury 
uh, you know, in the neck and shoulder. And so it is not uncommon to have headaches that go along with that because so much of the musculature is shared between these two areas. In fact, it's very rare when someone comes to see a physical therapist that we would only look at their shoulder. We're almost always going to look at their neck. If they come to me for headaches, I'm going to look at their neck, their shoulder, their upper back. So this entire kind of really upper third of the body, you have to look globally. I mean, you have to really, you should look down at the pelvis and Jen knows this, you know, you got to think about someone who's a waitress and they're carrying that big, heavy tray, usually on one side, your, I would guess it would be your dominant side. Um, maybe you're non-dominant, so you can use your dominant hand to, you know, toss out the plate. So I would wonder like, which side is it on? Uh, dominant versus non-dominant. Now that she's not waitressing, does she get the headaches anymore? Does she still, it sounds like she's still suffering from the, the head and neck pain. But you know, look, when they've got that funny weight, she probably had her, her, lower body, her pelvis cocked in a funny way, but all of that connective tissue is connected. Um, so taking a look at, you know, where is her head in space? Where are her ribs in space? You know, you're asking for some things to do. Um, anything that's going to lengthen the back side of the skull, where we have a group of muscles called your suboccipitals that, you know, Give those headaches that kind of wrap around your head like a headband or up over your head like a hood. A lot of times they'll come into your eyes, very similar to a sinus headache or even a migraine. Um, so that's a great place to start. You know, taking a look at the rib cage, you know, is it is it set, settled nicely over the pelvis or are they, you know, she jutting in front? The slope of the shoulder. I know, Laura, you can go into that extensively. You know, taking a look at the mobility of the upper back. Is she you know, rounded? Is she stuck in a more flexed position like so many of us are? By giving people tools to do on their own to improve mobility, improve strength and stability, we see a lot of these headaches, neck and shoulder issues going away. Dude, can you restore the range of motion just through just some simple, you know, head turning exercises, head side bending exercises? The body is a beautiful healer we just need to give it the tools to do so. Laura, what else do you have to add about that? Well, I'd first say, Jen, I understand nervousness, but don't be nervous because, again, um, she's probably nervous too uh, if she's had this for a while. So it's just another part of the body, but knowing that this, this part of the spine is highly mobile for a reason, and then it just needs to be brought into more balance. I have weighted tables, so I know that carrying of, you know, really shortening. It could even be down into her thoracic outlet, you know, brachial plexus area. So a, a lot of this can be at least ameliorated initially just by soft tissue, just teaching her how to roll, you know, just literally just roll that tissue to free it up because it kind of gets locked down. And that that locking down is what slows down the blood flow, slows down the nerve, uh, the wiring that could signal to the brain like there's some kind of threat and that could be the form of a headache it could literally be like not as much blood flow is going there uh, whatever it is just yes go back to the postural stuff work on um all the things kristen said neck mobility gentle neck mobility but get the neck in alignment as you move it work on thoracic mobility check out the chest wall opening uh yeah the, the hanging shoulder anything like that but just teach her how to free it up it's just natural 
you know, all these people will be like, oh, you have to do it this way. No, roll the tissue. Just roll it. There's so many different angles that the fascia runs. You're going to hit something. You just want it to be free. Like you can just kind of scrub on it and it's not locked down to the um, layers beneath it because that fascia also covers the, you know, nerves and blood vessels. And um, so we just want it to be, we want it to have that like uh, it's kind of spongibility, mobility of the actual tissue of the fascia itself. So make sure that, you know, simple things like that she's drinking enough water. I know that sounds weird, but hydration is super important for good fascial pliability. And I know when I was, she's no longer waiting tables, but even in the habit, like you can go a long time without getting enough, enough hydration. So just make sure she's hydrating enough as well to just give support to the, the, you know, the fascia and the, the, the mobility work she'll be doing there. I love those suggestions. All that's, you know, uh-huh. just important to be able to heal yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't be afraid to touch yourself and roll around all that stuff. That's uh, right. Speaking of someone asked, uh, this was an Instagram question. Curious if your thoughts on foam rolling or such de- curious of your thoughts on foam rolling or such devices effective question mark worth the money. I, yeah, I'll launch into this. So, you know, what we say in physical therapy, but this is like, you could just supplement this anywhere. I mean, this is like parenting, all of it is what you perceive to be might be, right? So if you perceive something is helping you, there is a lot of power in that. And so do I, is there lots of hard evidence, uh, you know, all this peer-reviewed studies on, on the the effects of foam rolling, there isn't a lot of research that supports any long, long-term long change, more of the short-term value of that, whether it's that you're kind of down-regulating some of the messages or you're like freeing up a little bit of the tissue or through some compression. You know, there's all, people will argue that there's absolutely no value in them and then some people will swear by them. So you just take the middle road and say, hey, does it work for you? So for me, I think foam rolling can be really effective. But it has to be the right type of foam roller. It's not punitive. If we're doing something to our body that feels like it's punishing, trying to dig out, excavate, like, ah, I'm going to get rid of this tension that, you know, you, you hear about these people like going and getting massages where the person's like digging in. And otherwise, they don't feel like they've got their value if somebody. And I want to say it's we don't want to be punitives with it. But um, it is effective if you feel it works meaning not just in like the 30 minutes afterwards, but you feel like there's some carryover and you're doing something else, right? It's never going to be a, a, a like a something on its own. You know, we can't just buy, there's no one ingredient, anything in the world you can buy that's going to solve your problems, what, no matter what they are, right? It's like you, you know, money's not going to solve your problems. You could have all the money in the world, but if you haven't worked on your own, you know, history, issues, movement, behavior, et cetera. Like money isn't going to change that. It'll help make other things, some things maybe better. So it's the same thing. These devices are good if you're doing the work otherwise. They're also good if you buy them and you use them, right? How many people buy stuff? They use it for a little bit. And I'm super guilty of this. A lot of it has been sent to me. I'm like, oh, thank you. This is really wonderful. I see the value in it and then I don't use it. I don't need it because I, for the most part, I don't feel like I need it. But you know, if anything, whether it's a treadmill, a bike, or a foam roller, if you buy it, are you going to use it? It doesn't matter if you spent $30 or $3,000. It's going to be a waste of space and money and um, just experience if you don't use it. So 
those are my quick answers on that. Uh, KB, do you want to go into any more detail about maybe like a yeah. clinical experience with it? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. It's there's definitely it's a it's a it's a tool in the bag. So it is a and it's a great tool. I mean, I I have certainly sorry, it's, well, sirens going by. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, foam rollers, great tool to replace a therapist's hands. So I have a lot of people. It's the same thing with going to physical therapy. People become and chiropractors and massage therapists. They become dependent upon the person. And I oftentimes use foam rollers, use balls, use you know butter knives, what to be like. You don't need me. You can do this on your own. So they are a great replacement for the 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 body work that you may be paying a lot more money to go have. So, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I've got a foam roller. I don't use it regularly, but I mean, I rarely use it. To be honest, I do think my lit yoga keeps me nice and stretched out. And I'm a runner, so I'm running just three days a week, not you know crazy miles. But I don't feel like I need it because I get on my mat usually within that day, either before, or after both, and I do more of a dynamic loosening of the connective tissues. But there are, I mean, every now and then I've had things get tight. And I have had to get in there or I will see that with someone else. And I'd be like, you would benefit from soft tissue work. I mean, it, it it does help, but it needs to be done. I agree with you in conjunction with something else. There's a lot of stuff out there that costs a lot of money that is just going to be a fancy dust collector mm-hmm. or space taker upper in your, in your closet. Um, so you got to use it for it to be beneficial. I love that you mentioned, you know, you don't need to beat the crap out of yourself. You don't need to do it to where you're bruising yourself. You know, it should, it's okay to push into some discomfort, but you should never be pushing it into excruciating pain where you're seeing blood vessel bursting and stuff like that. That's just that there's no benefit to that. So, but if you're looking for the hard evidence, I agree with you. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it because it needs to be done with something else. So, um, but man, that I do think there's a placebo effect. And like mm-hmm. you said, we think it's going to work. A lot of times it works a lot better. Exactly. So. The caveat to that is I will go back to, I remember 10 years ago, foam rolling the IT band was all the rage, all the rage. And I feel like I was the only PT out there, like in the desert going, don't foam roll your IT band because um, it's basically a massive tendon. And, you know, it, it, it would talk about punitive. That doesn't feel good to roll a tendon. Sure. And, but people would feel something in the form of pain, which they translated into it's getting better. So I would see them and I would always ask, well, has it actually gotten better? Well, I foam roll it every night. And I'm like, so this is where, like going back to your car, like if you go to the chiropractor once a week, if you're foam rolling every single, and things aren't changing and you have to come back and do it, that's a clue that you are not progressing, <laughs> right? And this really is just, you know, as clinicians, it's it's what we actually want to say, which is you shouldn't be dependent on anyone or anything. This is what we do in Lit is we educate you. You're coming, we're creating an amazing, fun choreography, but um, and that's what you keep coming back for. But we also, in the meantime, are teaching you about your body, educating you about biomechanics so that you can apply that in daily life. So that you can stay out of a clinic setting when you've been injured, that you don't need multiple devices to, you know, offset daily life stressors on your body, that you really can do this 
through the the beauty of you know like like a comprehensive program like we have which is neuromuscular training and physical therapy and yoga all combined so yeah hi friends i'm reminding you we have an upcoming lit europe tour and we would love for you to join us whether you live in europe or not get on to these workshops maybe travel with us and go from one place to another i mean we're going to paris we're going to frankfurt germany then we're heading to salzburg austria we're going to have the best time and we would love to see you there's nothing like an in-person workshop experience to fine-tune your movement get some real educational nuggets for better movement on and off the mat. And by the way, we have the best time together. We would love to give you a hug and help you move your best and feel your best. So join us in Europe this summer. Check out the show notes for all the details. Well, it's funny that there must be a kind of a a theme in the universe because our, our next question I'm sitting here reading it is from our friend Una, who is another um, lit teacher. And she says, Hey, Kristen, I have a question for the podcast Q&A. Could you and Laura discuss the modern type of running shoe, so here we go again, that have carbon fiber in the soles? I have heard they are a, quote, game changer, end quote, for performance. But if they are stiff, I was wondering about the impact on leg mechanics. A friend's son, who's 25 years old, runs in them about twice a week and has just severely sprained his Achilles, and it made me wonder. Thank you so much. I should add the friend's son is training for an ultra marathon, so doing lots of miles, even if only twice a week. Much love, Una. Mm. So, I mean, first of all, like I read that and I was like, oh, carbon fiber, home. And then the the PS, he's training for an ultra marathon twice a week. I was just like, okay, question mark. You know, training for an ultra marathon, only running twice a week. I can only imagine the miles he's doing. 25 year olds, I think I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt where I think more is better. Um, And if so, not only are you doing an ultra marathon twice a week, so a lot of miles, suddenly getting a new type of shoe, you know, Whenever we see something, whether it's a change in training, whether it's a change in shoe wear, whether it's a change in surface, and suddenly someone, she says he sprained his Achilles, he probably has an an acute Achilles tendonitis would be my guess, then yes, there's something going on. Can we point the finger at the carbon fiber running shoe? I don't think so. You know, that will, now speaking of running shoes, they are not good for everybody across the board. So not everybody should wear a carbon fiber. Not everybody should do a barefoot type. Not everybody should do a sole that has a very, you know, cut out last. Not everybody should do a, a wider sole. Not everybody should do the, the hoka that are very, po- you know, popular. So there's these trends, especially in stuff that people can buy. You know, mm-hmm. this is a business. These companies are looking to make money. Carbon fiber, hmm. Carbon fiber is what a lot of the um, prosthesis are made of that sprinters are wearing. So you think, oh, wow, this is great. This is going to really transmit the energy, giving you more propulsion. Well, you know, why are we relying on 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 other things to do this for us? Now, uh, uh, an amputee is missing a leg. So, you know, they're missing the Achilles tendon. That's why, you know, the entire foot, they need that propulsion. So, you know, the, the, the human body 
while these things are great little additives, you know, I think we need to look in this guy at how I question how in the world can you train for an ultra marathon only running two days a week? Um, I'm not saying you got to run every day, but two days a week, I can imagine you've got to get those miles up. The, the mileage for running a marathon is high per week. I take that, double it, triple it, quadruple it, depending on the, the length of your ultra marathon. In two days, I would argue he's overtraining. If he just got new shoes, he's certainly overtraining in a brand new shoe wear that has changed his mechanics. Those are the two things that jumped out at me. Laura, what jumped out at you with with Una's question? Yeah, I mean, it's always like it's hard to decipher, right? Because it's you you have to have like a side-by-side -side comparison. Like he did this exact same training last year with a different shoe and it didn't have a problem. That's the only way we can kind of think like, is it the shoe or is it the training? And even then we might say, well, like, did he change the surface? Is he, does he, is he heavier than he was? Is his, like, whatever it is, is something, you know, changed in his body like there's it's really hard to say but i i totally agree with Kristen. it's like you have to look at um all these different like forces applied load applied um duration applied and then you can think about the the impact of like this carbon thing is it overly springy when when the achilles is actually made to do that the achilles is is like a spring loaded tendon <laughs> i mean that's exactly if you look at the mechanics of it at the structure of it it's fabulous and amazing and they've shown that people who really are faster on um, some sprinters their achilles is slightly different it's even more spring loaded it's longer it's the 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 amount the concentration of collagen is a slightly different so even person to person it can be a little bit different but it is spring loaded However, it does, you know, it's going to be exhausted. Your form's going to get exhausted. Um, there's, there's endurance. There's so many things. So it's hard to know. The shoe can contribute to it for sure. But all you, that's, you've got to parse out all the other things like the biomechanics and the load and the demand that you're putting. And especially if you're putting it in a very concentrated time, only a few days a week versus kind of, you know, for anybody endurance-wise, if you don't have a lot of time, we have, there's plenty of people who have a full-time job and are doing these crazy things. It's amazing. And I think the ones that are successful, they cross-train. They just cross-train. So yes, there is specificity exercise. Yes, you need to run long miles to be able to run long miles. However, you also have to keep your body, your joints, your tissues healthy. And you're going to do that through cross-training. So there can be people who swim they could run in the water. It's just a different medium um, just to offload some of the, the pressure onto the joints and tissues. So uh, there was your answer. We don't know. <laughs> There's always so many. I loved it. My, I learned so much from my dad because he never he never really had, you know, as, even as an orthopedic surgeon, there's a lot of, a lot of clear-cut stuff and there's a lot of non-clear-cut stuff. But he was always like, you don't, there's just, there's so much unknown and there's so many variables. So we can, t and I, I like that because it's so antithetical and anti what most Westerners want, which is an answer, a quick fix, and, you know, write it down and I'll follow it. And it's kind of like, well, we got to look at a lot of different things and, and, and then really pay attention to how your body responds. So anybody no, that's and training. Sometimes it boils yeah. down to like, 
throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks for you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So way to go, endurance runners. We are there for you. Okay, another really quick question. Um, Here we go. So someone asked, um, love you and your podcast. How do you cultivate self-love? Well, I'll go first and then I'll let you. So I'd say... You know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I just taught a workshop and this seemed to really land with a lot of people. We were talking about sustainability. I made up an acronym. The acronym, I have it on the board, is TREAD. And the D is do your best. Um, take care of local because there's nothing more local than you. So we think about global and we think about we want to think about other people. But the the whole idea of like thinking local, there's nothing more local than you. No one besides maybe your parents, and that's not guaranteed, unfortunately, for everybody, is going to love you like you will love yourself. But why? So why are we our own enemy? Why are we? We haven't been taught that, or or we like it, it's looked at as you know lack of modesty, or I don't know what it is. But my gosh, who is going to be living with you the whole life? You, you, the person in your head, your thoughts, your voices, your heart, everything. So learn to be your friend. And if it wasn't taught to you, go to books that are, you know, there's lots of really great people out there, uh, lots of great podcasts that teach you how to do this. But the number one thing is know that you deserve it. Really own that. And then the second thing is notice your thoughts because your thoughts are the kind of the recording, the recording that whether you put it in there or someone early in your childhood put it in there or the culture around you put it in there less than, less than, you don't have this, you're not enough of this, all these things that we've been assaulted with us because that's capitalism and that's like our society, et cetera. And, you know, our, our, we have to discern, like, that is just there, but what we know about ourselves is that um, we need to take care of us and we are enough and we are good and we are whole and we might have to keep coming back and giving that reassurance. So notice the thoughts that are not going to serve you and think, like, would you, this is what a lot of people say, would you say that to your best friend? Would you ever say that to somebody you love? Would you say that to your child or whatever? Don't say it to yourself. So stop there, stop there and notice. And then you start thinking, like, what would I say to my best friend or my family or somebody beloved that I want to treat with tenderness and kindness? And that is how you cultivate it. You have to kind of um, you know, stop the the thoughts that are not, that are just programmed. They're programmed. They're a story. That's all they are. They aren't you. They are something that has become a habit and you can reprogram. And I think, and I'm going to let take, KB take over, but I really think when we get to know ourselves through the movement of our body, because our movement is what summons our emotions and our energy and our stories and our feelings of lack and 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 we when we reformat from a molecular level which is what we're doing we're going deep cell atom reformatting that that's where you rewire your experience in your body and your thoughts and your emotions and your ability to love and love yourself no, I mean, I agree with that. That was so well said. And I, I, I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't think we are nurtured that way as a society. 
And so, um, and I do think that's the beauty of age. You know, with age, there's so many negatives, especially for women with age. You know, I was talking to my daughter just yesterday and we were talking about, um, we heard this ad that there's, you know, someone has, has sued Instagram for the fact that um, Instagram is addictive and it's causing eating disorders and, and all this, you know, which is true. I mean, I think there's truth to that. There's a lot of this. People are looking at these filters that we're putting on ourselves and these. So it's it's creating, especially in young people. So it's young people that that, that if their parents have ever sued because they've they have been looking at this 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 false idea of what they should be. And you know, and I listen to my daughter say, you know, she goes, it's funny. I don't really look at it like that. Um, I don't look at people and think I want to look like them, which I looked at her like, mm, let me just clap that up because yeah. I said, well, wow. I go, first of all, I love that. I said, because I'll be the first person to say, I look at someone and I think, good God, look at their skin. Why don't, why don't, I wish I had that, you know, and, and, and I have to catch myself. And so, you know, and, and really, and that's come with age. I think it has come with me recognizing that, you know, um, that's not important. And, um, you know, how I look is for me, it, I exercise because it makes me feel better about me. It makes me feel better inside. Um, and, and so, you know, and I don't, I don't think of it as a punishment, but I have done a lot of work, a lot of work with my internal dialogue. And I hope that her saying that might be a little bit of the hard work I've done to pay off that my 15 year old kid doesn't look at someone and say, I want to look like that. I wish I looked like that. I hate myself <laughs> because of it. Now I will admit she got her braces off and she feels a lot prettier. We all do like they got my hair done. I feel a lot prettier, you know, like that's, that's kind of a normal, but I don't think that's the, that's not self-love. You know, like how you, you can like yourself in the moment and that's okay to like give yourself some props when you, mm -hmm. when you do something, you lose weight, whatever is important to you, you know, give yourself props for hard work and don't be ashamed of that desire to want to be better for yourself. Um, but know that, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it's, it's very hard. And, and I think we are fighting an uphill battle. Do I think Instagram is to blame? I don't know. I don't know. We've been around long enough when there were magazines and covers yes. and they would say the same thing like this is unrealistic and the Victoria's Secret Photoshop. model thing, whatever, you know, all that. So I think it's more like you can look at that and see it for what it is like, oh, that's a beautiful photo. That's a beautiful yeah. woman on there. And it's not a, oh, she it looks like this and that takes away from me or I feel less than. So it's just this very this sense of like being at home with who you are and what you've been given. And, you know, um, I always come back to like our bodies are just a miracle. And just mm -hmm. to be able to have a body that moves. Um, I take is, that any day. Yeah. If, tell Yeah. And I think, again, it comes back to, again, having worked with such horrific stories, um, you know, that's the other end of it. You don't want to gain your self-love by, by witnessing misery, but gives you perspective. You know, sure. we can really get into, well, well, what was me? And it's like, well, you know, I went to this, th I went to this, uh, this event last night and this woman has eight children. She's 
in poverty and they were taken away from her, even though she was a loving, wonderful mom because she was considered like she wasn't giving them enough. And um, and she and then, of course, they were much worse off in the foster system. And it was just this. I just was like, ah, like, how could you ever take a child away from the mom in that situation? That's very loving. But just she didn't have the opportunities. So it's it's just and that just again, I, I had been earlier that day been like, oh, my gosh, I got a lot going on. I'm like, you know, these things in my life that that are amazing, but also scary. And then I'm just like I, I'm just slapped back into reality like, oh, you know what? OK, that's not self-love, but that's. It's perspective. And I think perspective allows you to continue to give self-love because that perspective will allow you to look and be like, I have actually what I need here, and I just need to really fertilize this garden of my of me, you know. And that's what's most important. So, I love. That. I hope that helps get back to us, and we will always affirm your love, and you know, try lit out. I don't know if you're a lit subscriber or not, but just it makes you feel. It's not a comparison game. It makes you feel really at home in your body, and that's what we want to help everybody do, so that you can cultivate that self love. So if you have any other questions, you can ask them. Um, you can write us at support at lityoga.com. You can check out uh, our two-week free trial on Lit Daily, lityoga.com, and just go to the online classes. You could also find us on Instagram. Yep. You can find Laura at laura.hyman. You can find me at kbwilliams99. You can also uh, email us any questions you might have at support at lityoga.com. We also have a Redefining Yoga podcast Um Instagram that you can see past episodes uh, and, you know, check out all the goodness there. Yeah. All right. We're, as always, we're pulling, pulling for, you. for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.